Welcome to The Delingpot with me, James Delingpot. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but before I introduce him, a word from our sponsor. Our Delingpot sponsor, Thor Holt, has taken a vow of silence in January and is letting his clients talk today. The first client is the owner of a multi-award winning Scottish IT firm. Managing director Cheryl says... Thor is like Marmite. Love it or hate it, he's honest, authentic, funny, clever and super talented. We have laughed and cried and he is just amazing at what he does. If you need help with with strategic presentations, I never go anywhere else. Feel fortunate to always have him in my corner. I hate Marmite but bloody love this man. The final client feedback note is a company owner who employs Thor as a non-executive director to help him aggressively scale up and then exit his Yorkshire-based business. He says, Thor, you're underselling yourself. You do what you say on the tin, but you're but better. You've absolutely turbocharged me, properly stoked my fire. Read 80 more client recommendations for Thor and connect with him today at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Thor Holt. And now, Ed Dowd. I'm sorry, I'm a bit of peanut up my mouth. I'm so excited. I mean, I really am. I, I've been trying to get you for bloody ages. And I've been listening to lots of your lots of your podcasts, especially the ones you did with Germ Warfare. Um, I'm dying to read your book, which I haven't read yet. But um, it's going to be a it's going to be a humdinger cause unknown. Um, so for those of you who don't know who you are, I mean, you're the BlackRock guy, I think of you as. But tell us just very briefly about yourself. Sure. So I'm a, a Wall Street professional, started my career at HSBC, Hong Kong Shanghai Bank, familiar to many in Europe. Uh, I was a fixed income institutional salesperson in Chicago. And I learned about credit markets, interest rate markets, money markets, uh, derivatives, uh, economics, just how the guts of the monetary system works. Saw my first bit of fraud on Wall Street. There was the uh, Orange County scandal here in the U.S. Uh, there was uh, Peter Kidder Peabody blew up when a trader hid some bonds in his uh, bond trades in his drawer, and uh, I just kind of figured out that Wall Street was an interesting place to be. Um, it was a uh, a place where you made money by asymmetric information. And what I, what do I mean by that? Let me turn this down. What I mean by that is that basically. Um, uh, there are uh, uh, people who have information and those who don't, and you take advantage of people that don't have as good information as yourself. And that's how the world works in investments. People get news before everybody else or information, and they capitalize on it. So I went back to business school, Indiana University. I got my uh, MBA, then went on to Wall Street at uh, an investment bank called Donaldson Luckin Generette, where I did equity research. Uh, electric utilities in 1997 through 99. Electric utilities are boring. Uh, so I was in the boring part of the uh, equity research shop down the hall with the internet folks. And that's where some fraud was going on down there. Uh, there was a, uh, something that used to be done in investment banks before they would issue new public offerings. It was called due diligence. That was suspended because money was being made, issuing companies with uh, no revenues and no cash flows, and the metrics at the time was eyeballs. Uh, the markets seemed to gobble up these securities, so that's why there was demand. So there was demand. Wall Street met that demand and sold companies that were basically worthless. Ninety percent of all the dot-com firms eventually disappeared uh, at the end of that bubble. 
And then I, I went on to BlackRock because uh, I went on to another, I became a tech analyst before the dot-com bubble burst, a, a firm called Independence Investments. I correctly called the end of that bubble because I'm just a student of history and, you know, I'm just someone that is very skeptical and I have an eye and a nose for fraud and nonsense. So I knew that would end badly. Uh, and that because of that insight, I was able to parlay that call into a job at BlackRock where I became a portfolio manager of a large cap growth fund. We started off with $2 billion under management, and we grew it to $14 billion through uh, uh, both returns and asset gathering, meaning we, we, you know, we pitched our track record and our process to pension funds and insurance companies and, and what have you, and we grew the business. And we saw that the financial crisis coming. It was bank fraud. And I have another, you know, and again, the, the refrain I heard in the dot-com bubble was, Ed, it's a new paradigm. Then I heard in the housing crisis, home prices never go down, Ed. And all I had to do was Google historically, and you go back, and home prices do go down historically. So that was nonsense. And I was able to uh, parlay that into uh, more success at BlackRock. I left BlackRock in 2012 and uh, moved to Hawaii with my now ex-wife. She wanted to start a business, and I wanted to be more entrepreneurial. And again, when this uh, vaccine... uh, uh, came about, I was super skeptical and I was uh, just mystified at how readily everybody wanted to line up to take this thing. And in hindsight, we find that we were under the assault of a military grade PSYOP um, with the intelligence agencies involved. That's a fact. You can find that in Reuters and AP now. The, you know, MI6 was involved, the CIA, all the intelligence agencies and the military, uh, our, our DOD was involved. In fact, the pharma. The, the Pfizer and Moderna contracts were done under DOD contracts. So this is not conspiracy theory at this point. These are facts. And I started noticing adverse uh, uh, events early on in the vaccine process. I wasn't going to take it personally because I knew three things. It was experimental, never been tested on humans. It was rushed under Operation Warp Speed, which is, you know, in my mind sounds like that's a uh, formula for disaster. Uh, and then third, I knew that it took seven to 10 years for a normal vaccine to um, be tested. So personally, I was like, I'm not taking this. I'll wait for other people to take it. And I thought, I naively thought that many people would think like me and not take it. But then I saw the fraud going on with the way this thing was presented to us. Here, I live on the island of Maui uh, in Hawaii, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And in February of 2021, Advertisements on the radio were saying, uh, "Get your vaccine. It's been pr- approved by the FDA." That was not, that was not true. It was authorized under an emergency use authorization. So there were lies and lies and lies and psyops and incentives. And uh, I became horrified when the mandates uh, started here on Maui. And that's when I lost. Uh, that's when I said, "I'm not living in this world." I was already speaking out. I I was one of the first people to call fraud in the clinical trials. Uh, in in 2021, I met Dr. Malone, who has been a, uh, um, a, a, a you know kind of a whistleblower on this whole thing, and he elevated my voice. And uh, I told him that I was going to monitor uh, da- databases, including government databases, but also insurance companies and funeral homes, and excess mortality and all cause mortality. And then eventually, we found the disability database in the U.S., the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, and. Literally right now, 
as I wrote the book, uh, I, I started writing the book in uh, September, and it was a team effort. Uh, Gavin DeBecker, who wrote my afterword, helped a lot with the sudden athletic death stories. And through the, uh, you know, showing the human side of this, the actual young people that are dying, I've definitively proved that there's a mix shift from old to young in uh, 2021 and 22 from 2020. So COVID is a real virus. It did kill old people. But then mysteriously, young people started dying in 21 and 22, and they shouldn't be dying. And uh, this continues on. I've also discovered the uh, in the book I talk about Something's happened to the employed population of the U.S. Their health outcomes are worse than the general population, which has never happened before. And so I blame the vaccine. And I say, look, if you don't believe me, then let's ask this question. Why is the, are the global health authorities and regulators not talking about this issue? Uh, and so I say at this point, it's a cover up and negligence and one of the biggest crimes against humanity I've ever seen. And uh, here we are. Uh, it's 2023. And it feels like the dam is starting to break a little bit. There's news coming out. Uh, and uh, that's good. But, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, there's a grind. I call this a grind. I don't think the global governments or health authorities are ever going to admit to anything. So the book was designed to convince, you know, your loved ones that think we're crazy to at least stop getting boosters, to stop taking it and to um, save lives, basically. And this is it's just a. It's a book that's done from a Wall Street perspective. I'm not a doctor. In fact, that's a good thing because most doctors need to wait for all the evidence before they act. Uh, in my world, if you don't act, uh, if by the time you get all the evidence, you've missed the opportunity to make money. I view this as the biggest trade uh, decision of your life. You can either be long the vaccine or short the vaccine. Now, if you already got some vaccinations, you can still be short the vaccine by stopping the boosters. If you continue to get them, you're buying a stock that's going down as fraud is exposed, and you're not going to lose money. You're going to potentially disable yourself or, or die. What we do know is this, at a base minimum, the, the COVID vaccines were promoted as preventing transmission and also preventing you from getting COVID. Both those are proven lies at this point. Their, their, their new narrative is this uh, vaccine will uh, prevent you from going to the hospital. There's no proof for that. That's just a statement and a comment. There's no peer-reviewed study. So why would you take something that doesn't work and, and, and also knowing that potentially there's horrendous side effects and death involved, which I'm convinced of, and no one really has come uh, to um, criticize our findings. They just are trying to ignore my book and me. That was the best, best of Ed Dowd summary, Tracy, I've I've ever heard. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> What well, one of the things I like about 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 you, Ed. I mean, we, we've all got different parts to play in this in this war um, against this shadowy enemy, which is increasingly making itself known to us as as more and more people wake up. But we've all got different parts to play, and I, what I like about what you're doing is that you're bringing a kind of heft and sort of Wall Street. Uh, well, I, I hate to use the word credibility next to Wall Street, but you know what I mean. You've actually proven yourself. You've made money for your clients. You can you can sell a proposition. You can do analysis. I I particularly love this is one of the one of the most important human interest stories, which which the mainstream media should, if it had any integrity, be all over. Is the story about the sporting 
sporting stars dropping like flies. Now, I looked into this in the early days. I mean, not 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 with the detail you did. And I tried to write about this stuff and I got knocked back by my editor who said, you know, how do we know about this is abnormal? What about previous years? But so give me chapter and verse on what's going on there. So, yeah, exactly. So like you, I'm sure you noticed uh, the soccer players dropping dead in 21. And I noticed that as well. And that's what kind of got me interested. Not only was I hearing in my own circles of uh, strange uh, side effects and, you know, the, the, the uncle who died mysteriously. By the way, in 2020, I didn't know anybody who died during COVID. In fact, on Maui, we were hard put to find people that actually had COVID in 2020. Mysteriously came back with a sudden vengeance in 21 and 22. But the sudden deaths on the athletic fields, especially in the, you know, in the UK and, 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 and in Europe, uh, you know, I was alarmed. And the pushback I got, like you did early on, was, well, why, why aren't the NBA stars and the, and the, and the NFL stars dropping? Well, I, I've come to find out that soccer is the most cardio-intensive sport, bar none. You run the whole time on the field. There's no downtime. And so that's why it appeared in soccer first. And now we had the incident in the U.S. with the NFL player uh, on Monday Night Football. And here are the facts. There was a study done, and it's the most comprehensive study we have. And they didn't get every data point, but, you know, this is, this is they, they, they took a stab at it. It's the most cited study with over 1,000 citations. It was done in 2006. So well before any of this occurred, called the Lausanne study. And over a 38-year period, they documented 1,101 sudden athletic deaths under the age of 35 on the field or on the way to the hospital. So really, basically, on or near the field. Uh, 1,101 over 38 years is uh, averages 29 a year. So you're put, the pushback you got and I got was, yes, this, is, this happens. It does happen. But that's 29 globally. But it's very rare. And in our, if we go back into our collective uh, memories, and, you know, I'm 56, I'll be 56 in April. I don't remember this going on. I, I, this wasn't going on at the frequency we see now. So what do we see now? We'd be lucky to have a month with 29 sudden athletic deaths since 2021. There are months with 90, 105, 80. And in my book alone, there's uh, hundreds and hundreds of these stories that have been documented and well vetted. So just based on my book, it's a tenfold increase. Um, someone recently came up with the number of about 1,100 since 2021, and they documented it as well. I haven't verified that number, but let's assume that number's correct. That's even more than the tenfold increase. So this is occurring. At an, and again, on Wall Street, you know, this is why I bring a different perspective. We pay attention to frequency and velocity and rate of change. This is what we call a, a rate of change. This is more than a three standard deviation event, which happens 0.03% of the time. I would say it's a 23 to 25 standard deviation event. So something's happening. So what has changed in the world? Vaccination and mandates. And most of these unfortunate uh, athletes had to take them because their soccer clubs or the NFL or the NBA mandated it. So that's what's changed. So if someone can tell me what is different from that and introduce a different theory, I'm all, I'm all ears, but no one 
has done that. In fact, the mainstream media uh, has minimum, minimized these sudden athletic deaths and all the sudden deaths of all the young people around the globe. In fact, I put forward this proposition. If the sudden deaths were occurring in the unvaccinated, would not we be hearing this 24-7 on the news cycles? But it's not. So that's why there's crickets. So that why, that's why I use logic, deductive reasoning. This is a, one of the greatest cover-ups we've ever seen in our lives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've noticed that the, it's certainly in my country, the media is kind of pushing the line, sort of, it's a sort of semi-acceptable line that they can, they're blaming lockdowns. They're saying, this is the, you know, people who didn't get to see their doctors, etc., etc. Let's talk about that for a second. I go to what happened uh, in the third quarter of 2021. And um, forget, forget, there's databases all over the place, but I like to use the Society of Actuaries, who specifically did a survey on group life policies. These are the people that work at Fortune 500 and mid-sized companies in the U.S. In 2021, into the third quarter, August, September, October timeframe, there was a the, the excess mortality was running at 30%, which was bad enough as it is for young people, ages 25 through 44. It spiked up to 84% excess mortality in a three-month period. That's a rapid rate of change. It indicated an event occurred. Gee, I wonder what happened in the third quarter of 2021. Oh, I remember. It was corporate mandates and then an executive order by Joe Biden to, that every company over 100 employees had to mandate the vaccine. So people, the young people who already knew intuitively they didn't need to get a vaccine because most young people didn't die in 2020, it was mostly old, had to do it. They had to make a choice. The choice was keep the job or quit. And many people obviously uh, wanted to keep their job. And that's why we saw that spike up in deaths. The pushback I get is what you said. Oh, it's due to the lockdowns. It's due to suicides. It's due to drug overdoses. It's due to missed cancer screening uh, visits. Let's go through each one of those. Suicides. So are you going to tell me that in Fortune 500 and mid-sized companies, there was a suicide pack where everyone decided to kill, kill themselves in a three-month time frame? That makes no sense. Number two, drug overdoses. So was, there a, uh, was there a rash of drug overdoses in Fortune 500 companies and mid-sized companies? Uh, that makes no sense. Why? Because to get the group life policy, again, these are claims paid. Okay, this is money that had to be paid out. You have to, to get this policy, you have to be employed at the time. You can't have been fired or quit. You have to be literally going to work and then you drop dead to get paid. So what, I, what do I know about fentanyl and heroin users? They don't keep their job very long. And they don't, you don't tend to find addicts in Fortune 500 companies and mid-sized companies because they're employed and life is going generally swimmingly well, okay? So that makes no sense. Let's go to cancer screening. Cancer screening. I'm 56. I've never had one. That's just, okay, that's an anecdote. I talk to many, many people. You go to get a cancer screening when you're already sick. You're feeling like crap. You go to the doctor. You go in, they run tests. You don't go do these tests every quarter, every six months. I don't understand what even that means. It's nonsense. People don't go in for cancer screenings 
on a regular basis, especially ages 25 through 44. So until someone can uh, come up with a better excuse, maybe they want to tell me that the virus only attacked people. Maybe they'll try to tell me that Delta, remember there was the original variant, which was the worst, and Delta was less bad, but still bad. Maybe Delta only affected the young employed of Fortune 500 companies, but that would be a curious virus. And I would You'd be hard pressed to find a virologist or epidemiologist that would back that. So, again, the doctor of reasoning suggests that these people have to, the burden of proof is on the vaccine makers and the health authorities, not me. Something happened until it's explained. Uh, it's the it's the vaccine until uh, I, someone can come up with a better reason. Well. It's been obvious to some of us from the start. I mean, and, and the way you presented out, it's like, duh, what other explanation could it be? So, I, I mean, I suppose I should be able to answer this because I'm, I'm from the media. But how have the bastards got away with it for so long? How, I mean, and, and why? why? Why is nobody speaking out? Well, what, what we've come to find out are a couple things. Um, pharmaceutical companies are a big part of the advertising budget for many, many media companies, especially in the U.S. Uh, 20 years ago or 25 years ago, they allowed drug companies to advertise on TV. So TV and print media in the U.S. are captured by pharma. Um, so they have no incentive to report anything that goes against uh, Pfizer or Moderna's narrative. That's number one. Then we found out through FOIA requests in the U.S. that over a billion dollars was given to media companies to promote the vaccine. So, so the media has zero incentive to report any of this. And so, so then we have that. Then we have the regulatory agencies that are captured. So they have, have been uh, covering this up. And you have basically people that don't know. So for you and me, it's a duh, a duh this is going on. But for the general population, they have no idea and when people like me try to get this information out, uh, I'm either ignored or fact-checked. And, you know, this is literally going to be one of the greatest crimes we've ever seen. There's also something called ego. And I saw this in, 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 my, in my world in, in finance. A lot of people that took this vaccine, not everyone, a lot of people, are, I call them the great middle. They, they begrudgingly took it. So those are the people I'm going after. Then there's a large part of the of populations in Europe and the U.S., that identified with a group and they were virtue signaling and it became part of who they were and their ego was involved in taking this and then chastising others. So when you make an egoic based decision, an emotional decision, it doesn't matter uh, what uh, amount of facts you rationalize, that someone will rationalize to rational facts, uh, they will um, dismiss you because of the ego. I saw this in investing. There would be clear evidence that a company might be fraudulent but I saw very smart people who would ride them all the way down because they couldn't let their ego admit they were wrong. So there's a whole host of things going on, media cover up, regulator cover up, and then uh, people identifying so strongly with this vaccine, which is to me why you would ever base your, you know, your life, uh, part of your identity on this is beyond me, but people have done it. And that's why we are where we are today. So what about um, you guys in the financial sector? Because, you, you, I mean, people like me 
have always been persuaded that you are the smartest guys in the room, that, that you have this edge which enables you to justify your enormous salaries and bonuses and things. Well, I mean, it seems that a lot of, a lot of, a lot of your industry has been taken in by this scam. Well, let me tell you a little secret about Wall Street. Wall Street is mostly like the rest of us. Uh, my whole career, I was with very bright people who needed social proof before they would act. The, the, a, lot of the, a lot of the people on Wall Street don't actually produce excess returns over time. They have fancy degrees, they're good at talking, but they don't understand how investing works. And investing, uh, true investing is putting yourself out on a limb and being ahead of the herd. And sometimes that, that's hard to do. And you get laughed at initially. I've, I've been laughed at a number of times in my career only to be proven right. And that's what most people on Wall Street don't do. Most people on Wall Street um, take the easy road and they try to mimic the indexes and uh, get a nice, uh, uh, nice career. And they, if they, it's called benchmark hugging. So they really don't take risks. They, they, they go around uh, in, their, in their nice little suits and ties and, and they have good vocabulary. They're from the best colleges and universities. And they uh, snow people. That's what most of Wall Street is. Most people on Wall Street are exactly like everybody else. They're always late to the party. Most of the returns are made by the smart people. That's why there's, you know, that's why hedge fund. That's why people eventually open up hedge funds because they're the smartest of the smartest. Um, and that's that's how money's made. You don't make money uh, following the herd. And remember, people on Wall Street are competing against each other. You know, so you're you're trying you're trying to beat the other Wall Street guy. That's why most people were taken in by this, because they they didn't see it. They didn't have the discernment to see how ridiculous this was. Well, bloody hell! It sounds like I could make a better living on Wall Street than most of these people because I saw it with my eyes. So some of the best uh, Wall Street investors I've seen have been former uh, reporters and journalists, but investigatory journalists and reporters, not. You know the the cream of the crop, not 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 just your yeah. typical journalist. Um, some of the worst investors have been a- a- experts. I had doctors that were analysts for healthcare stocks that were the worst because they needed all the evidence before they would you know take a leap of faith. You know, I live in the world yeah. between perception and reality. I try to see a trend that's emerging. I don't have all the information, but my gut tells me, and my discernment, my deductive reasoning leads me to believe that I'm correct, I make a bet, and then as time unfolds, more and more evidence proves me right or wrong. And, uh, you know, that's what a lot of investigative journalism is, is like you you do the hard work, uh, and then you break a story, and you're the first to break the story. I mean, we used to have great investigative journalists, and that, that profession, unfortunately, in the mainstream media is dead. Totally. I mean, it's, it's an embarrassment. I can't even read newspapers now. I can't consume tv news because it's all it's it's all propaganda but presumably at, at the at the really high levels in 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 wall street the kind of people who are ceos of goldman sachs or whatever i mean they must know they must have known it was all a scam well presumably well i would a lot of people think that but you gotta remember a lot of these people got to the top of the uh, food chain through politicking and backstabbing it may not be the best uh, investors on the planet. Um, you know, let's think about Goldman Sachs, for, for example. Goldman Sachs uh, was part of the uh, fraud in uh, the subprime, subprime crisis. And they believed themselves 
that everything was fine. They, 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 they may have seen the fraud, but they were making so much money, they deluded themselves. And, but once they realized the party was over, they pulled a 180. They were the first to do it. Once they figured out that something was wrong, they actually started betting against some of their own bonds that they issued. Um, I suspect in the halls of Wall Street, they're starting to figure this out. And I think they were duped because they mandated their employees. Some of their, you know, they mandated Goldman Sachs and uh, Morgan right. Stanley led the charge on Wall Street. But they're also leading the charge on dropping the mandates. They, they quietly dropped their mandates this summer. So they're on it, but they're not admitting it is, is my speculation. And they're trying to figure out what to do because, you know, look, the legal, li the legal liability for employers is massive once this comes to light. Ah, I was wondering that because the, the big pharma companies have, I've got these very dodgy deals with governments, haven't they? Whereby they're indemnified from all legal action. Um, yeah, correct. But if we can prove fraud, fraud vitiates all contracts. So if we can prove fraud, their immunity will disappear. But the employers who mandated this under the color of law, they're the ones who are probably going to take the first hit, then eventually the pharma companies. But the that's why the employers are keeping their mouths shut. And that's why we haven't seen a CEO come out yet and say anything. Do you think some canny um, bankers got fake passes, things like that? Uh, I have no that? evidence of that. I haven't heard those stories. I do know... Um, I do know that most of the people on Wall Street that I know, believe it or not, bought into this nonsense. And they, some people stopped talking to me. So, right. so, so this is, this, this, again, this is the most curious thing I've ever seen. Because the people who should have known better, like Wall Street or some doctors, doctors should have known better, they were fooled. Yeah. Uh, this, this, this was, I think this is one of the greatest psychological, uh, psyops we've ever seen. Wow. Wow. Well, so if you were, um, an investor, which you are, how would you play the coming, the coming months and years? I mean, what's going to be the, what are going to be the knock on effects of all these, these, um, legal actions and stuff? Well, um, Timing is always uh, a problem on these things. Um, and I'm not, uh, you know, we're starting a hedge fund that's going to be macro. We're not going to bet on individual companies. But I can, I can name some things you might want to look at, but don't you run out and do these things because timing is, is always yeah, suspect. Yeah. So it's not investment advice. But clearly insurance companies, life insurance companies have a problem. And... Uh, uh, the, the flip of that would be funeral homes have good business. So funeral homes are seeing results that they shouldn't be seeing in a normal world. There's, they're, they're now growth stocks, sadly. Insurance companies have mispriced all their policies, and it's only going to get worse in my estimation. But then there's the horrendous knock-on effects for global economies in general, because the work we've done at uh, our firm Finance Technologies suggests that um, the disabilities and the deaths combined are going to cause labor shortages. Uh, and because, you know, I've proven in the book that the most able-bodied amongst us are having the worst health outcomes. So we just basically po potentially, I, I believe, poisoned. And, and again, I, don't, I want to give hope 
not everybody that took it is going to take a time bomb, but the numbers in aggregate are so big, it's going to affect global economies for years to come with, in terms of labor shortages, uh, supply chain breaks, uh, lower growth and wage inflation. So you're going to have lower demand, but higher wage inflation, which is called stagflation, which is the worst of all outcomes for all of us. So this is, this is a economic disaster for years to come because not only, you know, so I've proven in the U.S. that basically the employed of the U.S. have a problem. I said this to Senator Ron Johnson in December. We have a national security issue. If it's going on in the U.S., it's going on in Europe, it's going on in the U.K., it's going on in Australia, it's going on in Canada. So globally, the most able-bodied amongst us are more likely to have taken these things because they had to. And so now we have a, a shortage, a shortage. Uh, and, and, and what I hope is going to happen is it seems to me booster uptake has, has, has uh, dropped next to zero. My fear is that there are medium and long-term effects from this vaccine. And unfortunately, the disability data, while the second derivative rate of change is slowed, it's still, it's still compounding and growing up to the right. So until I see uh, excess mortality cross over the zero line and become you know, normal, until I see disability start to decline, we are in a continuous uh, dystopian world of excess mortality and increasing disabilities. And I've said on uh, many different podcasts, and I'm sure you've heard me say, this is like a glacial Mad Max scenario uh, where we just slowly see the world get harder and more difficult from the comforts that we've enjoyed the last 50 years. Yeah. To me, I'm okay with that because, you know, once you get a mindset that you don't need all the stuff. You'll be fine. But a lot of people are going to freak out. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been thinking about the airline industry and thinking when it emerges that most pilots have, or many pilots have had this, this clot shot which risks them dying midair. I mean, that's going to have... What are they going to do about that? Well, let's talk about that. That's very interesting. So I... Uh, there was a, a pilot who shall remain nameless in the UK who reached out to me uh, months ago. He said, if we can get uh, the safety uh, regulatory bodies of, uh, and he, he called out the FAA, even though he's from the UK, if we can get one of these agencies, because the, the whole reason the FAA in the US exists, the Federal Aviation Administration, is safety. And that's the whole raison d'etre for their existence. If they miss this, their institution is kaput, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so we figured if we could get them to admit there's a problem, the whole house of cards falls down because if pilots shouldn't take it, why would anyone else take it, right? What's gone on with the FAA is interesting. They've recently um, um, quietly uh, 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 widened the parameters of their EKGs because they know there's a problem. And anecdotally, I can tell you I'm on LinkedIn, which is a social media uh, company that, you know, professionals view resumes and whatnot. And you're, you know, you're bona fides, right? Ever since I wrote this book and the book came out December 13th, Cause Unknown, I've had top investment banks and Wall Street firms look at me because I'm the guy, I'm the crazy guy saying something out there about this. The FAA looked at me. 3.2% of my views were from the Federal Aviation Administration. So... There seems to be a dawning 
on some of these people within the consciousness of some of these people that maybe we have a problem. And so I'm hopeful that there's somebody with some uh, adult pants on that takes a stand. And once we get an FAA to say something, it's over. So we, uh, I want right. them to be brave. And if anybody from the FAA is listening, get some, get some cojones and do the right thing. But we know, and I know you had to restrain yourself from, from talking about the, the bigger picture when you were writing your book, that the vaccine thing, which aren't even vaccines, is just one tiny facet of a much bigger war on ordinary folk, if you like, that has been conducted, well, I mean, since at least 1913 with the foundation of the Federal Reserve. I mean, this your knowledge of the background to the skullduggery uh, of what I call the predator class um, must have informed your, your decision not to take the vaccine. Uh, I was suspicious of this from the get-go. 2020 was a uh, when I saw in uh, April 3rd of 2020, uh, a Federal Reserve president, remember, this is a month after lockdowns, a Federal Reserve president, James Bullard of the St. Louis Fed, goes on Face the Nation. And he's asked the question by the uh, woman interviewing him, forget her name, it's, it's irrelevant, but she says, how are we going to reopen the economy with such fear and people worried about dying and getting sick? And he smiled and he said, well, the good news is we have all sorts of new technology where we can surveil people and issue immunity badges and test them. And, you know, that was when I heard immunity badges and testing, I immediately in my head said vaccine passport. And that's when I knew uh, that's when I started sniffing a bigger plot of foot. And then I, I, I you know, look, since 2008, it, Nothing was solved. What we did in 2008 after the financial collapse, all that fraud didn't disappear. That fraud went on the balance sheets of the, of the central banks of the globe. And then politicians around the globe spent like drunken sailors to reignite what was a uh, dead credit system. So we solved the debt problem with more debt. And what I know about debt and the Federal Reserve-based uh, fiat currency system, it's a debt-based fiat currency system. It needs constant growth. The beast needs to be fed. So when you stop growing credit or go the, wrong, the other way, everything collapses. It's, it's a, it's a multi-generational Ponzi scheme that's been going on since 13, and it's now gotten to all the corners of the globe. And it's going to end, and they know that. So if it's going to end, would you want to be blamed for the end would you as a central banker or a politician do you want to take the blame or would you like to blame something else we thought in the financial world that they'd start a war but then we realized nope uh they're gonna they're gonna use COVID as an excuse whether it was created or whatnot i have no proof but let's just say they use it as an excuse it's perfect cover you you know remember what happened the federal reserve printed 65 percent more money than the previous year and other central banks did the same. We, the politicians spent like drunken sailors. And all they really did was kick. We were going to collapse in 2019, but they just kicked the can down the road another two years. But when you introduce a COVID-based uh, economy, and then that's what they were trying to do. They tried to create a COVID economy where we'd have quarterly boosters, surveillances, vaccine passports. And, you know, they would take away the right to gather, protest under the auspices of a virus. So it's a great control system. The good news is it's failed phenomenally. Um, people are awakening at an alarming speed. 
And now here we are going into a very deep recession in the U.S. this quarter and next. Um, the whole idea was, in my this is all opinion and speculation, but the idea is to introduce a central bank uh, uh, digital currency. And once you do that, then the slave system is complete. And, you know, there was a guy from the Bank of International Settlements, which is the central bank of the central banks. He said, quote, once we do this, we'll be able to control uh, society much more effectively. And what he meant by that was every, almost, every decision you make uh, can be controlled. If you're a dissident, they can turn off your uh, ability to transact. If they decide that they don't want people to eat meat, you have a meat quota, you go to the cash register with your meat, and the, the poor woman who's ringing you up says, oh, it says you can't buy meat, and it won't transact. So she can't, even though she might want to give you the meat, they won't be able to make any. So this is this is total slavery. Yeah, yeah. Um, where, where are you on CBDCs? Do you reckon they're going to get away with it? Uh, I, I think I think it's going to be really hard. I think uh, the cat is out of the bag on that one. They can try. There's all we're going to look. Part of what I'm doing and starting my hedge fund is uh, we're going to try to raise money uh, and bet uh, on the world as we see it. And some of the profits that we we make personally, we're going to reinvest into humanity, meaning like uh, new uh, alternative healthcare uh, modalities, um, uh, charities like children's health defense. And more importantly, we're going to do crypto projects where we're going to create not speculative cryptos, but cryptos that you can use to transact uh, hidden from the eyes of the government. So we're trying to use the current economy system to leapfrog over to the next one and create our own. There's going to be dissident uh, uh, alternative economies created, so they're, they're going to have a tough time doing what they want to do. And and we're, we're meet, people all over the resistance are talking about this. We're all finding each other. And we're trying to figure it out. But the good news is they're going to have a tough time, in my humble opinion. Well, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you've got faith in in cryptos because I mean, I I, I I'm I'm seeing correct me if I'm wrong, a, a sort of collapse in fiat currencies. Uh, You've mentioned the dollar is failing upwards, but it's going to go, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, eventually, eventually. And, um, you know, we have to think about the world in a different way. And that means a good mindset and no fear. You know, if it gets really bad, we may have to barter. And that's fine. Yeah. You know, but that, but personally, what we all, so you need to do a number of different things. You need to have some food supplies. You need to have um, uh, a, a network of, people that have your back that are like-minded you can't have if, i told a bunch of rich people in june who went after they heard me speak freaked out but uh i said look if you if you're relying on your security uh personnel and your uh servant class good luck because once the digital currency comes in or the fiat currency goes poof they're going to run for the hills you need friends you need human connections you need people that are going to have your back, but you're also going to have to help them. So that we're going, we're, we're going from a, a, an age of materialism to an age of relationships and human connectivity. Uh, 90% of the globe doesn't know that, but you and I do. And so it's exciting and scary at the same time, but you know, it's out of our control and we're going to do what we can. So that's, you know, look, most of what happens to us is out of our control. All we can control is how we react to it. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with you that, that I was going to ask you what what 
good news there is. But in a way, that's part of it, isn't it? That since in the last three years, I've met the best people I've met in my life, people who totally get it. And, and we have built these communities, which is amazing. I mean, we've been raped and pillaged and exploited by these people for how long? Since the Babylonian era, probably. Yeah, and you know, to your point, when, we're, when I was, uh, you know, had one foot in the matrix and one foot out, meaning I knew something was wrong, but I was still, you know, we still had to live in the quote-unquote matrix world. I had friends, but when I started speaking out on this issue, I lost a lot of friends. But yeah. at the same time, I made a whole host of new friends, like you just said, and our value system is so aligned that I'm more comfortable partnering up with somebody that thinks like I do than I did anybody in the matrix. Cause in the matrix, it took, it took a long time to figure out someone's values. If your values are, I want bodily sovereignty and freedom. And I believe in humanity. You're a good person. Generally speaking, if you're in the matrix and you're and you're, you know, you're spouting nonsense to me, it's really easy to discern now. It feel, I feel like the wheat and the chaff are separating and I know where to go now before I, I felt more alone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got to ask you because of your, particularly your your BlackRock um, past. I mean, I, I I think of BlackRock like a lot of people. I think now a lot of informed people as as the kind of one of the embodiments of evil. I mean, even the name that sounds satanic. Um, but BlackRock is not doing well at the moment, is it? Well, so when I was at BlackRock, um, there were good people there and they had, you know, our investors liked us. We had good returns, but I, I, I left as they were going on their acquisition spree. So it was a, it was a firm that um, grew through acquisitions. And as they grew, the firm's culture changed. So it was, it was a firm where people knew, you know, I knew, I knew uh, Larry Fink and Rob Capito. They probably don't remember me, but back at the day, in the day, you know, uh, it was a smaller firm, and there was this camaraderie. Then as it, as it shifted and became bigger, I went from Ed Dowd to employee number 52134. And that's when it was over. And I left uh, because it became like a lot, of, a lot of investment firms. Growth is always the end of the firm because um, once you get too big, you get a layer of middle management involved that – doesn't actually do what I did, which is investing for other people. They just kind of mucked things up and then they would manage up and be, you know, and manage down. And and the whole thing just became this uh, behemoth. And I can tell you like, so people ask me, is Larry Fink evil? I don't know. What I do know is this, the firm that I was a, a part of is no longer there in that everybody that I used to be associated with and work with is no longer there. That was about 12 years ago or uh, actually coming, coming on 11 years ago. So everybody that I knew is gone. So whatever's gone on there is a whole new set of people. Yeah. Mm. And it took, uh, it took 11 years for that to happen. What, what do you think about the, um, the theory that I was floated to me by Tom Luongo the other other day, which is that there was a kind of, call them the cabal, if you like, um, that there was a a power struggle, like rival mafia gangs. And you've got the Federal Reserve side, um, Jerome Powell, 
having had experience of sort of in investment, you know, he's not just a, a, a routine liberal like, like some of his predecessors. Uh, and you've got the Fed, which is going to um, be, uh, be able to set rates again now that Lib- Libor moves over from, or part of Libor moves over from, from the city of London. Um, and these guys don't like the idea that American hegemony is just going to be given away for the World Economic Forum's plans for a more sustainable world where we all live you know we own nothing and we eat bugs and 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 we save the planet by building more wind farms and stuff that there is a power struggle going on are, are, are you alive to this possibility there's always look there's always power cohorts in the world some are we can see some are hidden what i do know is um back Someone did a good analysis of the the Council on Foreign Relations and uh, the, the the Trilateral Commission people and, and the Davos crowd. And in the in the seventies yeah. and eighties, there were lots of prominent uh, bankers that used to be going to these meetings. Some uh, it started flipping about uh, fifteen twenty years ago. Now the central bankers are showing up. So what? There used to be power in the banking world. I think the power shifted to the central banks because once that once the emergency presented itself, it's like anything. Once you get power, you never let it go. And the central banks, you got to remember what what the central banks did in two thousand eight was unprecedented. We've never seen anything. The whole system has basically been propped up by countries printing their own money and buying their own bonds. That didn't happen prior to the great financial crisis. So there was, was more of a um, a capitalistic tone to the markets that all shifted after 2008, and it's been more managed corruptocracy, cor- cor- uh, I should say. And so there's been a you know over the last 10 years, 12 years since the great financial crisis, there's been a fusion of the state and corporate America. And a lot of people think yeah. Wall Street took over the government in 2008. No, the government took over Wall Street. And what I mean by that is there was the fraud was so bad that all those bankers should have gone to jail. But what happened to those bankers? Not one went to jail. What did they end up doing? They ended up paying tremendous, tremendous fines to the federal government under a consumer protection uh, relief fund. Where did that money go? Well, that money never made it into the consumers' hands. It made it into NGOs and uh, left-wing left wing groups. So that's what happened. Uh, they, they basically, a gun was held to their head. They paid off their masters, and now, you know, that's where we are. It's a fusion of state and government, uh, governments and corporations. Okay, so, so you, you had to restrain yourself when you were writing your book about, you know, you had to limit yourself to evidence of vaccine injuries and so on. But... Do you have a grand universal theory of everything of what's what's going on, and and do you want to give it to well, me? Well, I think I think at the heart of all this is uh, uh, central bankers, um, but you know the people who run the central banks I think are puppets. Who you know who controls the central banks? The Federal Reserve yeah. is not it's not a, a government agency. It's it's the sh- who are the shareholders, um, yeah. and, and 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 intelligence agencies. You know we. I, I think central bankers, people behind the central bankers and intelligence agencies run the world shadow. That's my personal belief. It's, um, you know, if, if you look at uh, 
you know, the propaganda, all the media has become propagandized. And I think central, I think intelligence agencies, their imprints are all over uh, the media. And that's why as a reporter, you, you read the newspaper, you're like, this is gobbledygook nonsense. That's, and yeah. it didn't always used to be that way, but the, the, the consolidation of the media companies has made it easier. Um, we also have um, uh, evidence now that's dropping from the Twitter files that Elon is dumping that direct evidence of the government censoring American citizens on social media platforms. Because let's go back. I think media control was pretty much solidified before 2016, uh, before Trump got elected. Trump got elected, and that was not supposed to happen. And whatever you think of Trump, pro-con, he wasn't part of the club because he wasn't going to play ball. So they had to, the system had to get rid of him. And the system recognized early on that social media uh, was something they didn't have total control over because that's how Trump got elected. Trump got elected through social media because the mainstream media was telling you Hillary is going to win. But anybody on social media, and most people get a lot of their news from social media, knew Trump was going to win. And Trump did win. And he shouldn't have won. So... I saw early on in 2017, uh, there was a, um, a, a, a curious article that came out like on January 3rd of 2017, right after Trump. And it, it was called, it was by Defense One, which is a military industrial rag that the Atlantic, uh, it's one of the subsidiaries of the Atlantic family that owns the Atlantic, which is the mouthpiece of the establishment. Defense One said, the, the, the new battle, the weaponized narrative is the new battleground. And, and they literally told you what they were going to do on January 3rd. And they realized they had to control the narrative, not just in the media, but in social media. And so that's why the censorship, is, and, it's, and they started, uh, it's, the censorship started slowly. The test case was Alex Jones. And then we've gotten to the point where they took Trump off social media and they started censoring Anybody that was counter to the narrative they wanted. So, you know, who does that? That's intelligence uh, agencies. That's not, you know, that's not that's not social media companies being bad people. That's and I think, you know, how do you how do you capture a social media company? You put your own people in, and or you bribe the head of the, you know, you get dirt on the head of the, you know, the company, and uh, you tell them this is the way it's going to be. Right. So, so the three letter agencies that they have. Because I mean, I, I I've always thought of it in terms of, of of families, probably bloodlines and stuff going back generations, and that that you know some of these guys own the Federal Reserve and so on, uh, and and there's the Black Nobility, and there's all these these you know sort of shadowy figures, but you're suggesting that that the intelligence agencies have their own agency as it were uh, in in shaping this agenda absolutely or you know who 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 runs the who every intelligence agency has the um black ops division and then the normal folks who think they're doing you know for god and country right so that you know so yeah. you got you got two-thirds of those people thinking they're doing the good doing good and then you get the black ops people which that's black ops have been running for decades and decades just look it up proof of black ops is in Afghanistan. We took over Afghanistan. Heroin poppy production was 10% of the world market pre-US uh, going into Afghanistan. 
after we get in there, 90% of the uh, market came from, uh, of the poppies came from Afghanistan. Where did that money, how did that happen? Where'd that money go? Probably went into the CIA black ops. I mean, that, that's yeah. how it works. That's the real world. I don't care what anybody says because again, I'm, I'm, I, I put, you know, dots together and why did heroin production uh, go up in Afghanistan after we took yeah. over? We're, if we're so good, why wouldn't it go be squashed and, and go down to zero? No, it went to 90% of world market. I was thinking like about 20, 30 years ago, I think you and I would have been um, offed by the agencies for for, for, the, for this this stuff. Is it? Is it? I mean, I'm not ruling it out that we 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 may yet get get taken out. But but do you think that uh, do you think there are too many of us now, or do you think that they just they just don't care anymore because they they they've achieved their aims or what? I think it's, there's too many, but they've done a great job of um, demonizing anybody who thinks out of the box. Um, Look, it's too costly to go around offing people. It just is. Um, and so what do you, what's, what's an easier way to get rid of someone? You marginalize them. You call them a conspiracy theorist. You call them whatever. But That's me. again, these are just my opinions. The data in my book stands on its own. You don't even need the who and the why. There's been a crime. Yeah. This is, this is, what you and I are doing is just, you know, uh, analyst mosaics. And if, you know, and, you know, if you had enough time and resources to break a story like this, I'm sure you could, but it might take two or three years to, to get all your ducks in a row. Um, yeah. But your we start off with a hypothesis, like we are here on this podcast, and then we set out to prove it. Um, I think that's eventually what you and I are spitballing here. Eventually, will be proven by the collective over time and in investigations that come to light. But this is not crazy conspiracy theory. This is how the real world works. I, where are you on on it, it's clear that elements of the deep state are yearning for war with russia over ukraine i mean well they're having it to an extent do, do you think they're going to get their way do you think we're going to get we're going to get dragged into this war um so the ukraine situation i'm sure you followed what happened in 2014 there there was a cia coup uh that's well yeah. documented um you know, we basically were instrumental in uh, basically uh, putting in some of our oligarchs and our people. Uh, and Russia obviously felt threatened by that. And so this has been brewing since 2014. And since 2014, once we went in there and kind of installed our puppet oligarchs, it's been a money laundering operation for our elites. No. So, you know, when they approve $100 billion to send over there, a big slug of that's going to come back to them. And part of this FTX scandal, it, yeah. that, that was the money laundering. That, that we're going to find eventually that was the mechanism by which the money was filtered back. Um, so, you know, the, the, Ukraine is just a money laundering operation. I'm more concerned about China, to be honest, yeah. because China hit a demographic wall in 2020. That's just facts and math. And they're, they're imploding economically. And what do we know about the CCP? Their biggest fear is not us, it's their own people. So when you're in power and you fear your own people, you try to keep the people happy with breads and circuses. Well, the breads are running out and the circuses are running out, so they have to create a boogeyman. The boogeyman will be China, I mean, will be Japan, Korea, or Taiwan, 
and that'll drag us in. So, you know, there are geopolitical concerns I have that are just based on the, the you know, the monetary system as it exists. That's how it works. It's, it's, it's a, it's a boom bust war cycle. That's just the way it works. Yeah. And that's, it's designed, whether it was designed that way or unintentional, but that's how it works. Right. So there's no way out of that one, no. really. I mean, it's kind of inevitable. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a, that's a downer. I, I, I think we, we should find a way of, um, is there anything, any positive stuff you can give me before we... Yeah, yeah, no. So, again, most of what's going to happen is out of our control. But the good news is this. Globalism is dead. It's over. Um, the globalists don't realize that yet, but it's over. And we're going to go back to local... We're going to go back to communities. We're going to go back to relationships. And those who figure this out quickly and have the mindset are going to thrive. There's going to be lots of opportunities uh, in the chaos. So, just, you know, the key is to keep your head, um, uh, you know, don't live in fear, meet like-minded individuals, gird yourself for a, a lack of comforts. But if your mindset's there, you won't get depressed and anxious thinking, you know, oh, my Lord, the world's ending. The world's not going to end. It's just going to change. And I think the yeah. renaissance on the other side of this. But you got to, you got to, you got to, you know, um, control what you can and, and give the rest over to God that you can. And just if you, if you keep healthy, focused, meet new people, align, build things, build community, we'll be fine. It's not going to be smooth. It's not going to be always fun, but it's going to be better than, you know, the guy living in his, um, uh, you know, his five million dollar home in a suburb of L.A., uh, you know, wondering why he's being overrun by vagabonds, you know, we, we won't be anywhere near that. Right. Okay. You 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 mentioned God. I mean, one of one of the things that's happened to me in the last three years. I mean, I was a sort of cultural Christian, but I've become a, a, a proper believing christian i was wondering where, where where you are on that one yeah so god uh, uh i i was i got uh mildly depressed in 2011 12 and i made the mistake of looking at the pharmaceutical industry to help me and that made me worse <laughs> and uh, i came out the other side because a guy who was uh, a psychiatrist said ed you're a walking zombie do you know what I do for a living? I said, what? He said, I take people off these drugs. They're all garbage. They're bogus. They're bullshit. And he basically told me you need to get God, get uh, good eating, get some fasting, get some exercise. And, you know, and so that's what I did. I, I, I found God again. And, you know, what I've learned is all these worries we have in our head, they're about the future. And Satan lives in the future and the past. God is in the present moment. So, the, you know, the more you can stay focused on the present moment, and let all your worries go, depression quickly melts. And so God, for me, has become a big part of my life, and he guides me. I mean, do I, does God talk to me? No. But do I talk to God? I, I don't ask for things. I ask for his will. And this is why I'm, I believe firmly that my emergence into, this, uh, uh, into the chessboard is because God put me here, um, not because of me. Yeah. Me too, Ed. This is this. I'm I'm on a mission from God. Yeah, so I, we're both. I guess, I guess we both are. Yeah. Well, we're we're not we're not competing. We're working for the same yeah, team. We're working for the same team. And again, you know what's interesting about this is people ask me, "What are you going to do next?" I go, "It will be revealed." I don't. 
you know, and, and I and <laughs> yeah. I and I align myself with people. I'm very cautious and discerning, and everybody wants to do something with me, and I let God figure out who I need to talk to. And the two gentlemen that uh, came to me from Portugal, my my partners at Finance Technologies, are brilliant human beings that are super aligned. And out of a myriad of emails that I got, God directed me to this one, and I started talking to my friend Carlos, who's now my partner, because God gave me discernment. Out of the sea of all these people who want to talk to me, I picked this guy. Yeah. And, and, it's, and, and, it's... And, and we're doing the humanity project where all our data resides for the world. Now, if I picked the wrong guy, he'd be like, let's make money. Let's make, you know, I stay away from anybody that wants to make money as their primary goal in life. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And I think I, I think what the other thing you get with the God, with, with, with God is truth and beauty. And if, if you always try and cleave to what is true. I mean, it, 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 it benefits you financially as well, I guess, because that's. That's what we've been doing, isn't it? Just finding out the truth for, from a, a sea of lies. Well, look, I'm, I'm assuming you, you didn't go anywhere near the vaccine, correct? Yeah, yeah, I didn't, but members of my family but, did. Same here. I... So what, just, let, let's just think about this. Because we cleave to the truth and we didn't take the jab, we already have wealth. The wealth is our relative health is so much better than a lot of people, unfortunately, yeah. that... We will be okay, no matter what. And financial resources will come to those who are able to move and act and think. So by the mere fact of cleaving to the truth, as difficult as it was for us initially, and as worried as we were about the future, I just believe and trusted in God. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about anything. I'm, I, I think I'll be taken care of. And whether that means God will provide financially what I need, he, I mean, I'm not going to get what I want, but what, you know, or, uh, what I what I want, but what I need. And that's all I want from God. It's like, just, you know, if I'm able to pay bills and uh, help some people, great. Am I looking to own yachts and, and mansions and have Playboy girls all around me? No, that those days are over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not quite, <laughs> quite, yeah. By the way, Ed, I can recommend, as part of your health routine, the Psalms. Oh, great. I've, I learn the Psalms and they're, they're, I say them every day when I go for my morning run. And what it does is it's like being a medieval monk who is taking exercise at the same time. And, you, and you're, you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you kind of think that, you know, God's there with you he's, he's, because there's so much wisdom in the Psalms. I agree. And um, I spend a lot of time alone doing meditation and just th thanking God for everything, asking him for direction. And, you know, I never used to do that until the last several years. And, uh, mm. you know, the times made me really, you know, start praying again. I mean, I was praying a little bit, but I really started praying uh, in 2020. Yeah. The people I'm praying for most are the ones who haven't yet got God, because I think kind of these are the times when you need him. Yeah. You know, it, you need um, to be on the right side. Fear, fear is not real. And once you realize fear is not real, you realize what it really is. It's, it literally is satanic, and it, it hijacks your body and takes you to places you never thought you'd go. And, you, and that's why we need to stay out of fear and in God, because God has said in the Bible, I'm here with you in the present moment. 
the devil's in the in the past and the future. By the way, you know that that is the most oft-repeated injunction in the Bible. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Exactly. Because, because I mean, I do believe if you if if you look at look at Scripture that the the world is the realm of the devil by with with God's permission, but this is the realm of 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 the evil one, and he's he's ultimately pulling the strings of all the people who are trying to screw things up, and we mustn't give him power. You know, I totally wholeheartedly agree, and even in the great science fiction works like Dune, a big part of the Dune mythology is fear, and people with fear are like animals, and if you can overcome fear, you you become human, and fear creates an animalistic thing in us that goes awry in many people who are well-intentioned. But, I mean, a lot of these people that are in fear over COVID and, and wanted to see the vaccinated, the unvaccinated die were hijacked by fear. Um, I'm going to let you enjoy the rest of your, um, your Hawaii day, which is going to be a lot warmer than where I am right now, I imagine. <laughs> yes, um, it's 80. Oh, you bastard. I hate you. But but you are surrounded by evil tiger sharks which want to eat you as soon as you get into the sea. So there's that. Well, yes, and I don't go too far into the sea. Oh. Um, tell us tell us um, where we can find you, where we can read your book and stuff like that. Yeah, so the book is on Amazon um, and skyhorsepublishing.com. You can also go to theyliedpeopledie.com, which is my personal website. And then my firm is called Finance Technologies. P-H-I-N-A-N-C-E Technologies. It's a P-H instead of an F. And on that website, you can find the Humanity Projects, and that's where all of our data is. It's free to everybody. You can use it to multiply the force effect. You can take it to your school boards, your elected officials, and present the evidence and try to make your case. So it's, it's kind of a force multiplier for the world to see. Well, I'm, I'm you, look many, many thanks and congratulations on what you've done because I'm, I'm really looking forward to sending your book to certain members of my family um, because I think they're going to be in for a shock because they, you, your arguments will penetrate. I think because they're they're so so rational and level-headed. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And that was my intent was to convince what we call the marginal mind. That's how we win. Every everybody we convert is a is a, is a less the enemy has and a new ally. Yeah. Yeah. And um, thank you all my viewers and listeners. Um, I really appreciate your support on, on Patreon, on Subscribestar, on Locals and on Substack, wherever you can find a way of supporting me. There's a whole system which is, which desperately wants you not to give me any money. <laughs> and so please try and fight them and, and overcome this and uh, help me out. I really appreciate your support um, or even just buy me a coffee. Thanks a lot. And Ed Dowd, thanks a lot again. It's been great talking James, to you. James, thanks for having me on. Good to see you and uh, appreciate you. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.